John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Well, I tell you, it is a busy Wednesday uh, in sports right now. Lots of things going on. Lots of things to keep you updated upon because, I mean, it is absolutely crazy. We've had benching of quarterbacks. We've had uh, more issues with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Hurricane may force the New Orleans Saints to move their game to Indianapolis for Monday night. Plenty of things going on, so let's waste no time. Let's get into the five biggest stories of the day. Number one. Utter and complete domination in a year we will never forget. The Seattle Storm are the team we will always remember. They are your 2020 WNBA champions. Well, I'll tell you what, what a great performance and a sweep by uh, the Seattle Storm. They win their fourth WNBA championship, and they just absolutely destroyed Vegas. 92-59 to to sweep the series. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I mean, what you kind of wonder about, and we'll talk to Dave Grosby about this with our Daily Dose of the Gras, is that uh, what what would be the best team in Seattle history? Would it have been the 213 Seahawks who dominated the Super Bowl and destroyed the Denver Broncos and had one of the six best defenses in the history of the league? Or this Storm team, which actually just destroyed the WNBA and being so good? Brianna Stewart was named the Finals MVP. That's the second time in her career. She won it back in 2018. Sue Berg got her fourth championship. That ties a WNBA record for the most by a single player. Uh, and that's the second undefeated postseason in WNBA history. They were absolutely sensational. So uh, I love the fact that uh, you know, we will have to see how the celebration is going to be, what kind of celebration they're going to have. I guess it's going to probably be more virtual than anything else because I don't think you're going to be able to have enough people in the streets right now to have a parade. But they've got to do something. And so... The fourth title uh, tied them with the Minnesota for the most wins won by an NBA WNBA team in league history. And Sue Bird, it's hard to believe because she looks so young and is so young, 39 years old. She was able to go out there and have a, a finals record for 16 assists in the game. Absolutely dominating performance. Storm getting the victory, 92-59. And so now the WNBA season is over. Uh, now we still see the, N- WNBA, the NBA still out there trying to do some things. And that makes me ending pretty soon, too. Second down and nine. Mike Davis in the backfield now, and he draws a crowd on a, another run. This one right side, maybe close to the 35-yard line. Damon Snacks Harrison just coming over in a trade with the New York Giants out of William Penn makes the tackle at 200, make it 355 pounds. Well, Snacks Harrison did uh, follow through what everybody thought was going to happen, and you can kind of see it going at each uh, step of the way. He ended up getting a deal, and ironically, he signs to the practice squad. And so, uh, you know, he comes in at a very low number, coming very fair to this team, and, of course, they get a really good player. Now, we don't know anything about Michael Kendricks. One thing we do know, and this is why this move was so smart by John Snyder to be able to do, 
is that the protocol is now changing for what you can do as far as bringing in players. You know, now I, I, mean, I still have to even see if I can find John Snyder to explain this to me, but uh, they just did this in the past few days, is that now you're only allowed to have five players come in for tryouts or workouts or visits in a seven-day period, okay? And, uh, you know, they brought in about seven oh, earlier this week, and that's going to now go down to five. Then the protocol, as far as going through the COVID testing, is now taking a little bit longer with the idea that the NFL is trying to limit the number of new players coming into the building. Uh, and so if you can't, you, know, you come in and it could take as long as six days before you're actually allowed to come into the building and sign the contract and get the physical and do all those different things. Now, there's different exceptions and all that stuff, you know, on players on waivers and trades and guys that have you know been in buildings and have been able to get positive te- or negative tests. But a good move by Seattle because they get a very good run-stopping defensive tackle, 355 pounds. He's 31 years old and I think he can really help this defensive line because you know you go back a couple weeks ago uh, you had uh, really Jaron Reed out there for about 65 plays and that's going to be a little bit too much in this kind of a very strange year so I think it was a great move now we'll find out if anything's going to happen on Michael Kendricks you know because he visited on Tuesday too so Dave Wyman will be joined Wyman will be joining us on 1030 our Wednesdays with Wyman we'll talk about the signing and much more number three Rondo makes his move, drives again, back to Davis, Davis for three, bang, Anthony Davis from downtown, and the Lakers take a nine-point lead, timeout Miami. Well, I think the only debate as far as what was going to happen with the Lakers against the Miami Heat is this going to be a four-game series or a five-game series. And right now it looks like it probably is going to go five because the Lakers get that third victory. They're one away from winning the NBA title. They win the game last night and, of course, 102-96. to 96. So they lead the series 3-1. to one. LeBron James, 28 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. Uh, Anthony Davis, 22 points and 9 uh, rebounds. And so that was good. And so now it's 3-1 to one in the series, which is so strong. Strong right now for the Lakers. Game five is going to be on Friday night, and with a win, LeBron's going to have his fourth NBA title. But I think it was inevitable, particularly once the Clippers got eliminated and it cost uh, Doc Rivers his job after having a what three-one lead and blowing that. That the the Lakers were the were, were the team that was not going to be beat, or if you want to call them the team to beat, but nobody was going to beat them. And so Miami, certainly with the injuries that they have and the fact that uh, they just didn't have enough to match up against the Lakers, they're on the verge of elimination with the Lakers on Friday having the chance to win everything and knock out the Minute Miami Heat and give the championship to LeBron James. Number four. It smells like a lack of preparation that they were not very happy at because he wasn't underperforming to to the degree of benching for this type of team. He was underperforming based on what they thought he was at the 15th pick. And with a new head coach and and a new offensive coordinator in Turner that you kind of give him a little leeway to get it done and get it together. This sounds like that they're looking at film and they didn't think he was prepared and he wasn't being a veteran, being a quarterback in which they thought he should be in terms of in the classroom. He was almost like still thinking he was at Ohio State or in college. That's what it sounds like to me. 
Yeah, that's Keyshawn Johnson talking about the benching of Dwayne Haskins for the Washington football team. Kyle Allen is going to be the starter. Haskins' uh, first-round pick last year has not done well, and the thought seems to be that Ron Rivera needed to make this call early or he would start being questioned by a lot of the players in the locker room who right now see it. And, you know, how bad is it for uh, Haskins? They take him down to third string right now on the depth chart. So Kyle Allen's going to start. Alex Smith will be the backup quarterback. Right now, Haskins ranks last in the uh, NFL with a QB quarterback uh, QB rating of uh, uh, 30.6, a QBR, 27th in completion percentage at 61% in a league right now where you have so many quarterbacks hitting 70% and getting you know on the pace with 18 quarterbacks out there with a chance to have 4,000-yard seasons. So Dwayne Haskins looking like he's now, uh, what, the uh, 20 games into his career with the Redskins, he very well could be a bust. But a lot of people do think that Rivera did this just so he doesn't lose credibility with the team. You know, Haskins just has not performed well. And they got off to a 1-3 and start, but they've lost three in a row. Much of the victory against Philadelphia was because Philadelphia's offensive line was so bad and the Redskins' defensive line was so good that uh, they were able to get eight sacks for the Redskins or the Washington football team. But overall, looks like uh, Haskins now third-string quarterback, and uh, we'll see if they're going to be in the market for a quarterback coming up next year. Number five. 2-0. Swinging a high fly ball deep to center field. Retreating is Sierra at the wall. It's gone! Three-run home run, Travis Darno. And the Braves have seized control in the bottom half of the seventh. So a lot of baseball still in the in the mix right now. So the Braves and Dodgers won their game ones in the NL Division Series. The Braves beat the Marlins 9-5 in game one. Travis Darno hit the go-ahead home run that gave Atlanta the lead for good. And so that is positive right there. A little surprise. And the Dodgers used a four-run sixth inning to go beat the Padres. The final score there was 5-1. to one. So it looks like, uh, again, it's early. We'll find out you know, if the Braves can sustain it. I do think the Dodgers can sustain it even though you have to do a great job of looking at the Padres for rebuilding the franchise and you know taking the step back and now starting to take the step forward. But at least they're competing in a, a big series because I know the, the interest down in the Los Angeles area is huge, particularly to see if the Dodgers can hold on and then be able to beat the uh, Padres. And, of course, now you have Houston. It's no surprise, I guess, uh, the team that everybody hates taking a 2 nothing lead over the A's. And, of course, I mean, the A's had to go back so many years. I mean, they finally won a series in the playoffs. What was it, like 206 or something like that? And so now it looks like they're going to be knocked out of there. Uh, the Rays were tied their series against the Yankees at 1-1. So today's playoff action begins at 11 a.m. on TBS and is going to wrap up when it goes into progress. And you'll be able to hear it down on 710 ESPN at 710sports.com. And, of course, 7 p.m. is going to be the pickup time that we're going to go on and have of the baseball games here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go under further review, and uh, we're going to look at some of the intriguing matchups between the Seahawks and the Vikings coming up. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. Under further review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. Well, the uh, bye week is coming up after this game against the Minnesota Vikings, a Thursday, a Saturday, Sunday night game that is vital for the Seahawks to win. Of course, I mean, 
uh, even at four and one, they'd be in good shape. But again, to have the chance to go five and zero, oh, particularly with a home game against a Viking team that this team has done very well against, and particularly a team that has uh, done so well as far as uh, you know being able to uh, you know take care of Kirk Cousins. I mean, the only time that they've lost to Kirk Cousins uh, has been in a uh, Washington when he's in a Washington Redskins, and I remember that game on the sidelines. You know, the Redskins offensive line was so banged up. Cousins took a beating, but he was able to get the victory uh, with a vic- some moves that he made in the fourth quarter. But you know, the intriguing matchup is going to be now, uh, first off, how you can watch the wide receivers. I mean, Justin Jefferson, their first-round pick, has been sensational. I mean, you know, he's been the best rookie wide receiver so far, and so they have to do the coverage on him. And the other interesting matchup is that, uh, you know, if you look at uh, passes completed to wide receivers, you know, both the Vikings and the Seahawks for yards are among the top three in football. Buffalo's right in there. And so you can see that it's going to be one that's probably going to be high scoring as we've seen around the league. And of course, you've seen it so much here and, you know, a decent chance that Kirk Cousins can put a lot of points on the board and put a lot of yards out there, but the key for Seattle is taking advantage of the least experienced uh, cornerback group in football. Remember, they lost three cornerbacks last year, and you know they're going with as many as two rookies. And one of their veterans coming back, Mike Hughes, who's also young, you know he's struggled and he's been injured. So I know that uh, the question is going to be, what are some of the most intriguing matchups or the most intriguing matchup coming up in this game between Seattle and the Vikings? Michael Bumpus was on uh, with Danny and Gallant and gave his answer. What is the most intriguing matchup in this week's Seahawks-Vikings game coming up on Sunday? You know, Paul, say what you want about this defense. The one constant about the Seahawks defense is that they haven't let a starting running back rush for over 100 yards, right? Uh, Elliott, 34 yards. Gurley, 58. Cam, who's not a starting running back, but he runs the ball, 42. Gaskin, 40. Now they face Dalvin Cook, the guy who's leading the league in rushing yards, 424. Touchdown, 6. He makes people miss. I think he has like 21 forced missed tackles. If they cannot contain Dalvin Cook, it's going to be rough because we know they're going to give up a bunch of pass yards. You have Adam Thielen, who's playing well. You have this new guy, Justin Jefferson, who's balling right now, the kid out of LSU. So the constant has always been that run game. So you look at the Minnesota Vikings, you got to focus on the run game if they can contain Dalvin Cook. Now, what does that look like? Can he go for 100 and just not have a couple touchdowns? I don't know. Containment looks a little different week by week, but I'm going to look at that matchup. Then I heard you guys just talking about the linebackers. They've been consistent all year. This is the game where they're going to be needed the most. Bobby needs another 12 or 14 tackles. KJ needs to blow up a screen. So it's all about that box. Can they contain Dalvin Cook? We'll see what happens. And, of course, we still don't know if Jamal Adams is going to play. Probably the chances aren't that good. And so Ryan Neal or maybe uh, uh, Leno Hill could be out there at safety, being that safety in the box. But, boy, how intriguing would it be for a game like this with Dalvin Cook to make sure that uh, you would have somebody as good as Jamal Adams out there because he's just sensational in what he's able to do. So good against the run and is able to run around the field. But again, too early to make a determination on that because again, injury reports not going to be due until uh, you know uh, later this afternoon at about 4:15, and by then I'm sure that Adams is not going to practice today. And again, chances are they just may sit him and let him wait until the bye week and then come back and start playing the division games, which start to come out. Uh, starting on week uh, week seven, 
uh, weeks, yeah, week uh, seven, yeah. So that's going to be one that I think that they need to try to do. But I, I'm intrigued to see how what uh, Kirk Cousins can do. Now, another interesting matchup is that they have some problems on the offensive line, and that could allow Kirk Cousins to be sacked or pressured and doing all those different things. Uh, but I think the big thing right now, because he's now one of the hotter receivers in football, is finding a way to be able to uh, you know, keep the ball away from Justin Jefferson. Another thing that's going to be real interesting is how the Seahawks receivers do against this Viking defense, which right now is just not very good. Uh, we're finding out more news on Daniil Hunter, who's on injured reserve. And now I know his trainer came out and said that uh, he thinks that Hunter, who's a Pro Bowl caliber defensive end, one of the higher paid defensive ends in football, uh, is and pass rushers, he may have to sit out the season. He's got a herniated disc. They're contemplating maybe having surgery where Unique and Dockway's coming on with a couple sacks and forced fumbles and all those different things. But he's almost having to do it alone, which is not you know, kind of overly challenging. So I think that, uh, you know, it's pretty evident. I mean, this game is going to probably be like we've seen for most of the top four games that this team has played. You've got to outscore the opponent to be able to win. And so, Curtis Rogers, it's like uh, what matchups kind of intrigue you? Yeah, I think the matchup you pointed out, John, would be Seattle's offense against Minnesota's secondary and unproven secondary uh, that is going to be an opportunity for Seattle to continue to exploit Russell Wilson's uh, tremendous right arm and how great he has been this season. I mean, I would expect Russ to, to throw for no less than 300 yards and, and at least a couple of scores on Sunday. I think that's you can pencil him in for that. Um, another one I'm going to be watching out for is one that uh, you know you got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Those are your top two receivers in Minnesota, and there really is no number three. In fact, of Kirk Cousins' 100 pass attempts this year, 51 of those have gone to either Jefferson or Thielen, and the next highest number is 11, and that's to Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. you got to go to B.C. Johnson with his eight targets this year, uh, the most of any wide receiver not named Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen. If you can find a way to slow down one of the two of Jefferson or Thielen, I think you're going to have a good day defensively against this Minnesota team. It, it just seems as though they don't have a lot else in the wide receiver core than Jefferson and Thielen, and if you can get somebody on those guys, it's going to make your day on defense a whole lot easier. Yeah, no doubt. And, and of course, obviously one of the keys, too, as it is every week, is to win the turnover battle. And Cousins has more chance to make a turnover than Russell Wilson, you know, who's, you know, again, he's had two interceptions, including the one uh, pick six and one that was at the red zone when they were trying to get a score to take a double-digit lead, and that kind of failed. But overall, I think that uh, this is, again, it's like let Russ cook and cook as best he can because, again, if he can cook this and this team be 5-0, and boy, all of a sudden the idea of going into the bye week coming out against division teams and having the opportunity to maybe get a 12 maybe possible 13 win season yeah very much within the cards and i think if anybody had heard that the seahawks would have a chance at five and oh heading into the bye week you know when the schedule was handed out back in what april mm-hmm. they would have gladly taken that i mean obviously the first game coming out of the bye week is always it's always crazy going down to arizona and playing the cardinals i, I don't know why that is uh so that one's definitely a toss-up i would say the san francisco game a toss-up buffalo la arizona those five games that's going to be the toughest stretch uh, even philadelphia that's going to be the toughest stretch we'll see with the Seahawks this year, if you can get through that at you know go three and three or or four and two or something like that, 
you'd be what ten and two coming out the other side with with the Giants and Jets and, and Washington meeting mm-hmm. you for mm-hmm. three in a row in December. I mean, that's chicken soup, John. That's that's got to make everybody feel good. Oh yeah, no doubt, and that's why I think the temptation is going to be there if it's close that they all not uh, put Jamal Adams out there because. As you bring up, I mean, Arizona and San Francisco, uh, Buffalo. That Buffalo game right now, I think, looks real difficult. But what's interesting about that, that's the one game when you look at the non-division schedule that's remaining. Because, again, this would be, you know, you have 10 non-division games. And half of those uh, will be done by Sunday when they get the Sunday night game against Minnesota. And so if you go 5-0 and and you have a chance, as you mentioned, with those games that are coming up in December, I mean, again, Nine and one in non-division games. How much better is that? That's a very, very good season right there. If if you're anybody, mm-hmm. uh, I think everybody here in Seattle would take that, John. Uh, when you look at the additions or potential additions the Seahawks have made over the last couple of weeks, you got Demarius Randall, Snacks Harrison, uh, maybe even Michael Kendricks. Who knows where that is uh, after yesterday when he visited? Do you think any of those guys have a chance to see playing time on Sunday against Minnesota? Mm, I mean, Randall does just because they're so short at the safety position. If Lano Hill doesn't play and if Jamal Adams doesn't play, so that's one that uh, you know needs to be monitored. And you kind of wondered about snacks. I mean, I think that uh, you know you you have him as available. And of course, I mean, boy, uh, one thing that is an advantage for snacks is the fact that he's played. Dalvin Cooks twice a year for the last couple years when he was in Detroit, and he's a great run stopper, and so that temptation is going to be there, but again, I think you have to give Snacks a lot of credit because, you know, unlike, say, Clay Matthews, who had a certain price, and, you know, Devontae Freeman, who had a certain price and ended up losing more money than he gained by having that price, Snacks is willing to come in at uh, whatever number it is as far as his contract, but also, you know, that the fact that he was able to sign to the practice squad. Yeah, I thought that was a, a very clever way of getting snacks onto the Seahawks roster because there's going to be a longer intake process for free agents right now and uh, put him on the practice squad nobody else can get him he's, mm-hmm. he's your property yeah exactly so uh kind of interesting but again that matchup is going to be an interesting one Sunday because a victory for Seattle really puts them in a great spot hey tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle remember you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or app coming up next we'll talk to Dave Wyman our Wednesdays with Wyman John Clayton show 710 ESPN Seattle it's John Clayton. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And it's time for our Wednesdays with Wyman. Dave Wyman joining us. And, of course, uh, as predicted, it did look as the week was going on, the weekend was going, and even as late as last week, the Snacks Harrison would sign with this team. And I thought the clincher tip-off was, you know, first when he came back and he was asked over the weekend on Sunday if he was watching the Lions, and he said, no, I'm watching Russ Cook, and then, of course, uh, yesterday, last night, when you checked the waiver wire, and DeMarcus Christmas was let go as defensive tackle on the practice squad, you knew something was going to happen. What I didn't anticipate was his willingness to sign just to the practice squad. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good to have him here, and and honestly, John, I thought that they they might go after uh, more of a, an outside linebacker, defensive end type, and I know Clay Matthews has been brought up, but you know, I, I just figure, look, that's got to be a price thing. Mm-hmm. So, and for Harrison, you know, 
we'll see what uh, what his contract comes out to be because uh, you know I thought they've been been okay inside. They've got Monet, who's tough to move. But I'll tell you what, you plant a guy like this in the middle of your defense. <laughs> I know as a linebacker, John, when I looked in front of me and saw a big wide butt, I would be like, yeah, okay, this guy's going to suck up a lot of blockers and uh, I can run free. So nice to have him here. Yeah, but that's the thing that I think is so intriguing about this in the sense that, uh, you know, and, you know, each day uh, everything changes in this league. And now what's happening is, you know, part of it's because of Tennessee, maybe part of it's because of uh, what was going on uh, in Houston, is that now the league is trying to minimize the number of guys that can make visits. Like, for example, the rule that just came out over the weekend is that now you can only bring five players in for a tryout in a seven-day period. Now, if you have to put three guys on injured reserve, then you can bring in a few more, but uh, it's only five guys. And now the protocol as far as being being able to go through COVID's testing if you're new to the team is now extended even more. And that's kind of confusing because, again, to keep changing these things so quickly is kind of like trying to figure out you know, what Roger Goodell is going to do on a suspension or something like that. You just can't keep right. it and guess it. And so it's a matter of like, hey, if you can get uh, Harrison on your roster now, whether it's practice squad or whatever, you, know, you have him and you don't know what the rules are going to change to that may limit it coming up next. Yeah, so are you thinking yes or no availability for for this weekend? Uh, I'd say probably no, because, again, I think what it comes down to is that, uh, you know, they've got to patch the safety spot a little bit more than the defensive line. But I think what it came down to is that, okay, you know, I'm sure, you know, again, I think what 12,000 is the most you can make as a veteran on the practice squad per week. But I'm sure, like we saw in the case of, like, Brandon Carr, who just got let go uh, by Dallas, and they gave him over $2 million and a 750000 signing bonus once he made the roster. And so, uh, you know, that's I'm sure there's some kind of a deal that's like that. But, you know, what you wonder about is, okay, you know, not knowing his conditioning or anything like that, you know, are they just making sure that, you know, he's going to be there so you can put him on the active roster after the bye week? Or do you want to squeeze him in right now to stop Dalvin Cook, but I think as you bring up, I think they figure that they're they're good enough against the run that maybe they pass. But I'd say right now, I think he's more week seven than week five. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how Minnesota attacks this defense because you know, and we've had people text in, oh, well, they're good against the run because they just know other teams know they can pass, and and then also there's the fact that uh, the Seahawks offense is putting up so many points that people are having to come from behind, and they're having success with the pass, but I do think that they're pretty good uh, against the run, and you know, I, there were so many things I saw uh, against Miami, John, that were very encouraging to me. And one was, you know, attacking blockers at the line of scrimmage and running plays. And then the other was getting back deep in zones. And, you know, I thought uh, that Ryan Neal did a really good job. He, he really looked good. And and then, you know, just Cody Barton I thought was okay. Everybody was saying that, you know, he had a bad game, but he missed a tackle. And it was a glaring one, and it made me mad. I was like, come on, Cody, you got to make that tackle. But he did other things well. Uh, KJ had a great day. Bobby, you know, so they're starting to, to come along defensively. I thought there's some, some good signs. But, you know, there's never been, I guess, anything up front that's been glaringly bad, you know, as we talk about Snacks Harrison, because, you know, you think about a couple of the, the big plays that they've made, the goal line stand, you know, LJ Collier made a huge play on that one, of course, Bobby and, and um, you know, Leno Hill made a big, big one on that one, but, you know, that was a LJ Collier, and then on the, 
the safety that they got against the Cowboys, you know, that was uh, Brian Monet. He did a great job up front. So I, I think they're okay in inside, and I think they're you know they're they're set as far as run defense goes. But you know, I think it'd be interesting to see a team like Minnesota come in and really try to attack this defense uh, with the run to see how they respond. Because again. You know, there's been teams that have been having to come from behind, and there's been a lot more passing than than uh, running. Yeah, but that's the thing that's going to be so interesting is that uh, you know, uh, and and it's amazing because uh, you know this team under Pete Carroll has you know it's the defense dictates what it's going to do, but now the offense dictates what it's going to do because you know, when you're scoring like what 37 and a half points a game, I mean you can be so good in that regard that now I mean you can take away the run because again if you're going to be down 10 points in the first quarter or 10 points in the second quarter, I mean then you start to shy away from the run because you got to start catching up and. That's that's when the turnovers start to happen. That's when the mistakes start to happen. And then eventually the sacks will start to happen. And, you know, Kirk Cousins has, you know, he's been up. He's been down. He hasn't done well in primetime games. That's been one of his weaknesses. So that's what you kind of look at. It's like, okay, what the what kind of game is it going to be? Because, you know, uh, particularly, you know, Gary Kubiak very well is that he likes to run the football. And he runs it very well with Dalvin Cook. But uh, Cook, and so I, I'm, I'm still kind of guessing that, uh, you know, they're going to be a little bit mixed in what they want to try to do offensively. Yeah, Kubiak, I was talking to, uh, I was telling Bob that at the end of my career in uh, when I was in Denver, the two young coaches were Rick Denniston, who uh, is, what is he, the running game coordinator, yeah. I think. He, he played for the Broncos, and then and Gary Kubiak. Those guys were like young coaches, and I was the old man that used to hang out with the, the two young coaches. I was practically you know their age. But um, Kubiak's one of those guys that figured out, look, you got to give John Elway a running game in order to win a Super Bowl. And, and that's what they did with Shanahan there. So, yeah, he, uh, he likes to run the ball, and it'll be interesting to see uh, – you know how they attack and and Kirk Cousins is kind of a mystery so far because look he's i mean his completion percentage is around 62%. This is a guy that, you know, that one year he was 71, it's usually a little bit higher than that. So I just think right now until the defense really gets to the point where you feel like they're they're doing things right and they have one of those games where they play up because look there's not a lack of talent KJ is really good. And, you know, people that have said something about losing a step over the last few years, I've not seen that at all from KJ. He's always covered ground. And he's just getting better and better. And then you've got Bobby and you've got, you know, Jamal Adams. Eventually you'll have Dunbar. I mean, I think they have the talent. Here's another guy that's overlooked. Benson Mayoa. First of all, on the broadcast, they didn't even mention that he tipped that ball that was the interception that Ryan Neal got in uh, the first series. He got a great pass rush and was able to get his hand on the ball that was in Fitzpatrick's hand still. And then he also forced um, a throw that became the Shaquille Griffin interception in that game. And he, he makes a couple, three big plays per game. You know, he was part of two of those fourth down stops in Atlanta. So, you know, somebody was saying, well, is Snacks Harrison going to be their best D lineman? No way. I mean, to me, it's, it's Benson Mayoa right now. So... Um, yeah, I, I think he's he's a little bit undersold. But look, nobody wants to say anything good about the defense right no, now because no. they're giving up this ridiculous amount of yardage. But they have the talent to do it, and there's going to be a game here coming up where all of a sudden they put up the kind of numbers that uh, that confirms that. 
Yeah, no doubt. And that's going to be you know, what's going to be the interesting challenge to try to you know, do that. And, of course, regroup during the bye week and then try to go into the division games. And that's why I'm kind of wondering, do you sit uh, Jamal Adams out? I'm sure you're not going to see anything of Jordan Brooks. I mean, that's I think that's inevitable. Uh, but uh, and, uh, now the one thing to kind of see what happens today, does anything happen with Michael Kendricks? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I like Michael Kendricks. And look, you know, we were talking about this yesterday and, you know, somebody held my feet to the fire. I'd say, yeah, he's if he comes in and plays like he played last year, he's probably better than Cody right now. I think Cody Barton can be, you know, uh, better than him. But um, and, and maybe at some point. But if he can come in and play the way he did last year, I'm just curious about his knee. I mean, that was pretty late that he got that ACL. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was what, December, wasn't it? Right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, last year, he – I love Kendricks. I love how low he plays. He can rush the passer. He's good in pass coverage. So, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting, too. I mean, I think they're just always trying to get better. I don't think it necessarily means anything about the way Cody played or any of their linebackers. No, uh, again, played. and particularly now that the rules are changing. And that's the thing is, like, what the, and what I try to do, and hopefully I do a decent job of trying to do it, is stay updated with all the changes. Because, again, this is not a normal year. Everything is different. That's why I keep on emphasizing. It's like, don't read a lot into the yards allowed yes we know there's there's problems we we know that there's issues but every team has it i mean you have very few teams playing well on defense so i think that the recognition and of course now for talent acquisition you know don't overread that too if you have a chance to get somebody get them before they start closing the doors but of course we don't close the door ever on dave wyman because our wednesdays with wyman and david i'm looking forward to talking to you at four Okay, I appreciate you keeping us updated on all these crazy things that are going on, John. Uh, we try. We just have uh, to keep Jim Moore updated, too. <laughs> you do that. You keep tuning him up. Yes, exactly. Okay, David, of course, be sure to <laughs> Thanks, check out John. the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we'll catch you up to date on a busy NFL with co- uh, quarterback changes. Yesterday, of course, a coaching change earlier this week and more. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Uh, we're getting to the bottom of the Tennessee Titans story. Uh, I, I know that we just saw pictures coming out that uh, at least 15 players went over to an academy uh, and had kind of an impromptu practice on September 29th and 30th. And so that was in clear violation of protocol and pretty well explains why things have extended to the point now where you have 20 players in nine days, that uh, 20 players and staff people in nine days that have tested positive for uh, COVID-19. And so I now have to think that there are going to be substantial penalties and the risk of maybe a fortune, for, uh, forfeiture right now by the Titans. Because, again, they had to postpone the uh, Pittsburgh game, and that put the Steelers in a tough spot because they were preparing and now puts them in a position where they have to play the final 13 weeks of the season without any break. Their bye week has been passed, and it was a little too early for what they liked and what everybody likes. And now this game coming up against Buffalo is in jeopardy because there was two more positive tests today. And so uh, they they have the facility still closed. You know, one more positive test is probably going to push that back. And you know what they were thinking of, the only way to get into Buffalo game is to create a Week 18 my my read on this now is that uh, you know if and and again the pictures are there 
we saw somebody there, and again, this is the stupidity of the players when they're ordered not to do this to uh, to gather because there was no in in, in team gatherings that were going to be there, and you have 15 players on the field, no masks, trying to just you know do some football related things. To me, I think there's a decent chance that uh, you know they they won't move the Buffalo Tennessee game to Week 18. But with these pictures that just came through within the last four or five minutes, uh, I think that uh, there's a good chance that Tennessee will be three and one, and the Buffalo Bills, without having to play, can be five and zero. Oh. John, do you think the NFL is going to do everything possible to avoid creating a Week 18 because of the team with home field advantage would have, what was it, like three weeks off between games? Mm-hmm. They'd play Week 17, or two weeks off between games, I should say. They'd play Week 17, have Week 18 off, the wild card round off, and then finally get to play in the divisional round. That's a lot of time off in the middle of the season, and that's also weeks without games. That's less you know revenue to be made. It doesn't seem like the NFL wants to do that. That seems kind of like a, a last ditch effort. It, it is, but again, I think there's almost no choice. I mean, it's like if you uh, can't. I mean, once you get past the bye weeks, and of course now Tennessee is ex- past their bye week, then you know I don't know how you try to rearrange it because you know this uh, the fact that you know now they've moved the Pittsburgh game to week seven. You know they've got to be available for the final uh, fourteen. Uh, yeah, what was it? We're down now to thirteen weeks of the season, and so I do think now that uh, you know they. They don't want to do it, but I have to think that's the next option because what can you do? I mean, you if you uh, if you want to play a 16-game schedule, uh, you do it. But I think in this case, the simple solution is, uh, one, you uh, give the forfeiture and give Buffalo the victory because this thing spread, and now you can see one of the reasons it spread. These guys were not supposed to be together like this. And so I don't know what started it. You, if it was a party. It's even going to be worse. But I think what you're looking at with the Titans right now heavy fines, maybe suspensions, possibly uh, a forfeiture, and I think they need to do it. And one of the things I'm critical of for the Titans is that, okay, this has been going on now for more than a week. Why haven't you created a bubble and put every player in a hotel where they have to stay there and not, uh, you know, and if if you're caught doing something, you get caught and... Uh, and I think that's a mistake. And so they have totally broken down the protocols. Yeah, I think it's, it's completely reckless what Tennessee has been doing. And uh, for them to get back in the good graces of the NFL, they got to do something drastic in order to get things under control. What, they're up to 20 players now that have tested positive? Not 20, uh, 20 staffers 20 players. Sta- okay. I think they're up to uh, 10 players right now. And that... Uh, includes Isaiah Wynn, their, or uh, Isaiah Wilson, their first-round pick, who has had positive tests twice. He's been on the COVID list twice. Is still on the list, and then had a DUI between that. Yikes! That is that is a that's awful. Yeah. Uh, John, also more COVID news. Stephon Gilmore, the Patriots' cornerback, the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, testing positive as well. Him, in addition to Cam Newton, Gilmore played on Monday night. If I'm if I'm not to be mistaken, against Kansas City, and it's only Wednesday, and he's testing positive. Uh, any word from Kansas City as to potential, you know, contact made with Gilmore? That uh, you know, any players over there potentially testing positive what, what what's going on yeah with so Chiefs? far and of course after the game Gilmore came over and gave uh you know Patrick Mahomes a big hug uh but I presume that there was no positive test in that regard 
because uh, or the, you know if there was, then the Chiefs would not be practicing today. It's kind of like the New England Patriots. They're not practicing today because of Gilmore. But the one thing that they found, two things that they found in the Patriots, is that Gilmore, uh, on the video that they watched uh, in the building and everything else, was wearing a mask. And so he was not caught with the mask off. He must have just caught it from family or whatever uh, or somebody who was around because it didn't seem like it was on the field. And no other Patriot at this stage has tested positive that we know of. And so, uh, you know, we know that Cam Newton, of course, is may be able to play this week. I know that a practice squad defensive tackle, Bill Murray, he he tested positive. So they've had three, but there's nothing new since Gilmore's. And so I think that they may be they may have to move the game back one day to Monday. But uh like they did this last time, but I think that they may be okay. And of course, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders had Maurice Hurst. He tested positive, but I'm, you know, you can see that the, the league is changing everything right now and they're ready to pounce on anybody that makes a mistake. And of course, Tennessee making the biggest mistakes. In the meantime, we've had a lot of other news. You know, we go back to the Bill O'Brien firing and now we find out that part of the reasons that he was fired aside from the 0-4 start, he was getting into yelling arguments on the field with J.J. Watt and other players to a point where that was getting so bad. And then, of course, uh, you know, clearly Bill had lost the locker room, so Romeo Cornell comes in, and he's now going to be the uh, interim coach of an 0-4 team. Getting into a fight with J.J. Watt when you are on the hot seat as the Texans head coach might be the least advisable thing to do in that situation. That's the franchise. That's the that's the moneymaker in town. Yeah, Deshaun Watson is a tremendous quarterback, but people come out for J.J. Watt, and he's the face of that franchise. He'll, he'll probably be the face of that franchise for as long as, as he lives, uh, even longer beyond that. And to get into shouting matches with him, uh, Bill O'Brien we know has a, a pretty legendary temper, uh, wow, that is that is not a good move if you're Bill O'Brien. I can see why he got fired because yeah. I believe didn't J.J. Watt then kind of lead a locker room revolt against against bit, O'Brien? Yeah. yeah, I mean he was yeah. uh, vocal after the game and uh, you know as he should have been because he's the leader of that team. And of course, two final things here: we have two quarterback changes. You know, <laughs> Adam Gaze continues his magistry by keeping you know bringing uh, Sam Darnold back in the game. He's got an AC sprain, so he's now been. He's not going to play this week. Joe Flacco is going to take over as a starting quarterback. And as we mentioned earlier, Dwayne Haskins got benched. He's now the third-string quarterback, and they're going to start uh, Kyle Allen in this game coming up for the Washington football team. Hey, coming up next, we're going to get into the Minnesota Vikings, talk with Bryant McKinney, who's on the Believe Podcast Network, and find out why their team's off to such a bad start, the Vikings. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.